ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. He sent a message last night saying, I'll, I'll be home for a little bit and then I'm coming back to win this World Cup. So that speaks to his mindset, I think. That is Marcus Stoinis speaking about the departure of Mitch Marsh from the Australian World Cup campaign for personal reasons. The all-rounder might well return, but he won't be there this weekend for the clash with England and neither will Glenn Maxwell. That's due to a golf cart crash-related concussion. Yep. Can the English channel something special to damage the Australian semi-final aspirations? Jeff Lemon's going to tell us. We're also talking Erin Phillips with her biographer, head of the Stars AFLW Farewell. There are some corking sound bites too. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Jeff Lemon is calling the ODI Cricket World Cup for the ABC in India. Jeff, Australia's campaign, it's been gathering a steady sense of momentum over the last four straight wins, but they've endured a double setback, losing two all-rounders for different reasons. First up, Mitch Marsh out of the tournament indefinitely. What can you tell us about this news? Yeah, they're being pretty vague about this at the moment. They've just said it's for personal reasons and that he's needed to fly home, so presumably something to do with family, um, but we don't have details and aren't really digging around for them at this stage. You, you, you want to give players a bit of space when they're going through something um, personal that's significant enough to make them leave a tournament. He's got a family issue going on. Like we all know, family is very important and the most important really. So he's doing the right thing, he's getting home and he's seeing the people he needs to see. We haven't had any word on whether there will be a squad replacement the squads are only 15 strong, so at the moment Mitch Marsh could come back uh, if he wanted to at any point, uh, but if they take him out of the squad, he can't then rejoin the squad later unless somebody else is um, is taken out of that squad with injury or, or for some other reason. So it's going to be a tricky one for Australia to juggle because it, it leaves them short on, on bench strength. Yeah, and the other quandary, I guess, is Glenn Maxwell. A very odd one, falling off a golf cart and concussing himself. <laughs> what are you hearing about how that's been received within the Australian setup. Yeah, well, it was a, a day off. Um, most of the Australian players are pretty keen golfers, and so they were all going around the golf course on, on these buggies, and a few of them standing on the back of the buggies, which one of them went over a bump, and, and he lost his grip on it and hit his head when he slipped off the back. So we've had a few weird golfing injuries. You might remember Josh Inglis managing to snap a golf club in half and stab himself in the hand from memory with the, the broken bit of, of the golf club shaft. Johnny Bairstow broke his leg playing golf, the England opener, so he's back from that injury at the moment, but um, maybe staying off the links might be advisable for the rest of the tournament. You'd suspect that might be the case. Uh, what does it mean for the Australian lineup? Obviously, if you were to choose from, what do you think we get served up in terms of an 11 for this big clash with England? Well, there aren't a lot of choices left if you've got two players missing. The only reserves at the moment are Alex Carey, the wicketkeeper, who was dropped after one game of the tournament, um, and then they've got Sean Abbott, who they haven't used who could come into calculations. Um, he's more a bowler than a batter, but but is more than useful with the bat as well and, and should qualify really as an all-rounder. But probably at the moment, the, the Australian selections are generally pretty conservative. They'll go for the players that they've already used. So uh, Marcus Stoinis, who's now fit and good to go. Steve Smith and Manus Labuschagne will probably move up, which... which probably works. Team balance looks a bit better if you've got Smith-Labuschagne 3-4 rather than 4-5, and five, where Labuschagne's a little deep in that order given that he's not exactly a power hitter. Um, so that part of, of the lineup could strangely look more balanced because they were trying to fit Travis Head and Mitchell Marsh in for their strike power. 
as we've sort of t- touched on in this podcast this week, while there's been golf crashes sort of mixing up Australia's campaign, the English campaign's been a straight car crash. But if there's a game that they are likely to get up for it, you'd have to think it'll be this one coming off what was a tumultuous test series. Is this the sort of thing that could just ignite them to play the role of spoiler? It's possible, isn't it? I mean, it's it's really hard to get a gauge on this England team in terms of how they are playing so badly given the lineup they have. You know, they came into this World Cup with a, a bowling lineup that looked a little bit thin, but a batting lineup that is so well credentialed and, and so powerful. And it's been really strange to see them barely fire a shot. You know, the the way that they capitulated against India a few days ago was was not worthy of a team in, in the top few in the world or one that won the last World Cup. So it's whether they can try to get off the canvas, um, given that they've had such a, a terrible run. But, yeah, obviously England just been horribly out of form. I don't really think there's much else. But one thing that does mean is uh, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. So if there's a, ever a team that's that's dangerous when they're down and out. It's England. But there is that history. There is a a fair bit of bad blood, really, between this current Australian team and this current English team because a lot of the Ashes players are in the squads and in the sides and particularly Bairstow, who's got a huge chip on his shoulder still uh, about how he was dismissed at Lords and carrying on about that over a prolonged period of time and recent quotes from him that came out in the press from a, a book that's been released about that series. Now's the time to look at what's next, I think, immediately next, and that's beating Australia. As I say, there's no better motivator for, for any group of English players is than to play against... Um, against the Aussies. So. Yeah, there's a, there's a fair bit of spice to the encounter which might not otherwise be there and maybe it comes along at a good time for England to try to kick them into gear. It's going to be an absolute cracker. You can hear Jeff Lemon and the team call the action on the ABC Listen app every ball live and commercial free. Jeff, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Cheers. Sam Lane is one half of the W podcast with Sam and Shani Norder. It's the best women's footy convo you can possibly find. She's also written the literal book on Aaron Phillips. Sam, you probably knew Phillips' retirement announcement was coming. But what was your reaction when you heard the news? Yes, you're right, Patrick. Thanks for the introduction. I had, you know, a very good source telling me it might be imminent, none other than Erin Phillips. It's another thing altogether, isn't it, when you actually see that person that you know and respect and love as a footballer sit down and actually tell the world. Yeah, so this Saturday at Alberton will be my last football game. And it has been an incredible eight seasons playing this game that I've absolutely loved my whole life. And there's a finality about it when there's one game left in what is a brilliant career and I would say as game-changing a career as we have known in the Australian Football League full stop. How big is the legacy that Aaron Phillips will leave on, on this code? How long's a piece of string? Because if you consider that before Erin Phillips and the AFLW came along and she was clearly the player in that first year, 2017, who showed the league what best looked like. She came from an elite sporting background, from an elite sporting setting. She literally jumped on a plane from the WNBA in America where she'd been playing and having a professional elite basketball career to come home uh, to play the game that she actually always wanted to play and then she she turned the competition on its head in that first season. Phillips and Sedgery versus Kasler and Conan. Phillips stayed back, did the Bradbury and kicked the goal. 
uh, won a premiership medal with the Adelaide Crows, won the first ever MVP for the AFLW. She won basically everything you could win in that first year. And so the legacy of that... In a way, we we can't even quantify it yet because we were opening Aussie Rules football up to more than 50% of the population who until that point had had no role models in an elite competition that was supported properly by the AFL to say, hey, that looks good. I'd like to try to do that too. And Erin Phillips as the one at that point uh, who was the best of the best, that's legacy beyond legacy. It's been like a study in excellence. Are you surprised the AFL aren't rushing to name the W best and fairest medal after her? Like, I mean, why wouldn't they? Yeah, well, she's won two of those. And I guess for for people um, that might not sort of understand the equivalent, I guess what we're talking about here is the the Brownlow in the AFLW. It's the best and fairest player as voted by the umpires for a season. And Erin Phillips in this in this competition's very short life has won two. It's it's quite a staggering statistic in itself. Am I surprised that that medal or any other medal for that matter has has not been named after Erin Phillips yet? Kind of not because I know why the AFL is waiting and they are waiting. They will not name those medals, uh, the Premiership Cup, the best on ground player for the grand final this year or the MVP. They won't name it this year. But I am slightly frustrated because I think uh, until you start naming those prizes and we can start talking about them and, and having them have a recognition factor in the public like the Brownlow has, like Adele M has, there's a, a sort of a sense of lack of legitimacy of the awards. My tip is that some stage not too far away, there will be a major prize in the AFLW named after Erin Phillips. And if they'd done that already, I don't think any pioneer who might have come before Erin would be miffed in the slightest. She is entirely worthy of that. And I suspect she will get that honour, but just not yet. The other question is what comes next? We're talking about someone who's constantly achieving. Everyone obviously Mm. has to retire from playing at some stage. So what comes next? Because surely many clubs will see her as a a coaching option. You know, I imagine the, the offers are limitless. They are. I feel like she has the sporting world at her feet. And of course, a two-time Olympian for Australia, she has a a whole other back catalogue in terms of her sport with with basketball. And she's part of Port Adelaide Football Club's men's coaching program. My sense is that Erin will take a very, very deep breath. Uh, She loves Port Lincoln. She'll be getting away there with her wife, Tracy, and their four children as soon as they can, um, as soon as the kind of parading is over over after this, but I'm not sure that she'll be a coach in that classic sense of wanting to be a senior coach. What Erin knows that she loves most is the ability to teach people, teach people about sport. And she actually thinks she's a better teacher of basketball than she is of Aussie rules football. But she's also um, really a huge influence in terms of players and leadership. And one of those people that can kind of do something and lead with her actions. I think, you know, eventually, Actually, that might be part of her makeup. But don't forget, you know, the woman was also doing breakfast radio um, while playing. Um, she is a family lover. And plus, she can she can talk about a whole lot of things besides sport. Hot tip, she's got a lot to talk about apart from um, goals and, and marks. We've got our fingers crossed she might do some of that talking on the W podcast in <laughs> episodes around the corner. You can hear Sam Lane <laughs> on that podcast. As I say, it's a cracker. There's a link to it in the show notes. Sammy, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Pat.
Time for sound bites. Is basketball the sporting term of 2023? I mean, we had an Ashes series defined by it. It transformed Test cricket. Now it's gone into the Collins Dictionary. If you find that a bit cringe, you're not alone. Here's Manus Labashain reacting to the news this week. Surprising. Oh, man, that is that is garbage. That's, seriously, <laughs> I, I don't know what that is, honestly. That is wonderfully candid from the Australian batsman. If you thought that was pure comedy, how about this for pure goodness? Part one. Young South African Desmond Coolen sings this banger while wearing a Springboks jersey. I feel good. Part two, the box have him give a speech at their official celebration function. Cheslin Kobe. You're my favourite. Because you inspired me. So that's why I want to be a pocket rocket just like you. Colby gave him his World Cup medal. That is good form. Speaking of good form, we know Ange Postacoglu is beloved right now at Tottenham. Last round of the Premier League, Spurs took on Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace. Now, Roy is 76, and the journo wanted to know if 58-year-old Ange might still be coaching at the same age. Oh, mate, who knows? Um, that's not the plan. Um, 76, somewhere on a Greek island, um, lying back, watching football from around the world, maybe, you know, doing some punditry and becoming an expert um, overnight. Um, so that's the plan, but you never know in life, mate. You never know. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Channel 7, the BBC, and Newsroom Africa for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.